0: The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Macia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today's podcast is part of a special series we're doing in which we interview winners of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 over 40 awards. The recipients are people ages 40 and up who are making a big difference in the Charlotte area. People who saw a need and took action. You can find out more at ledger40over40.com. The host of today's podcast is Steve Dunn and his day job, is a mediator who offers dispute resolution services through the Charlotte Office of Miles Mediation
1: and Arbitration. Enjoy. Welcome to the Charlotte Ledger podcast. I'm Steve Dunn. I'm joined today by Karen Gracie, the former executive director of PFLAG, an organization that hosts peer support groups for parents and families of LGBTQ individuals. Karen, welcome.
2: Thanks, Steve. Nice to be here. What does
1: PFLAG stand for and what does it do?
2: PFLAG actually today stands for simply PFLAG. The organization nationally was founded in 1973. And when we were founded, it stood for parents, families, and friends of lesbians and gays. Obviously, fast forward 25 years, that's not the most inclusive term. So now we're simply PFLAG. And we are LGBTQ plus individuals. We are parents, we are families, we are allies, and we are friends. We support families, we educate allies, and we advocate for equality.
1: And you got involved in PFLAG in a personal sort of way, in connection with your daughter's experience. Is that right?
2: I did. We have two daughters, now ages 26 and 23. And when our younger daughter was 15, she came out to us. And it was unexpected. It was a surprise. And we learned we had a lot of learning to do. And that was really the beginning of a journey that it's hard to believe that was nine years ago, because now I look back on it as honestly, the gift of a lifetime for so many reasons.
1: Well, it's a journey that involves personal revelation and growth and it's a journey that has involved a professional direction for you and it's one that starts with a moment that you've said is something to be celebrated in the sense that your child is coming to you because they trust you and to share with you something deeply personal and that that's that's something to be happy about.
2: Absolutely and I think one of the things we when we meet a new family, we can meet them for so many different reasons. We can meet a new parent can walk in the door and say, people have been telling me for six months, 12 months that I need to find PFLAG, but it took me this long to find the courage to come to a meeting. Or they can say, and primarily it's because they're scared. I mean, they're scared. They're they don't really know what they don't know. And walking into a support group meeting, I mean, I'll never forget the first time I walked into a support group meeting. I'd never been in any type of support space in my life. You don't really know what that experience is going to feel like. Well,
1: let's talk about it. for your In your personal experience, your daughter comes to you. She comes out to you. And you didn't see it coming. And so you're surprised. And so what was your own journey then? Because I imagine that, what you went through personally is very similar to what a lot of the folks who come to Flag are going through, right?
2: Yep, very much so. I think first for us and for many, for our personal experience, and I try and just share from my perspective as a parent and as an ally, is I was so surprised how much our child had been struggling and that we did not know it. And that's what we tell parents all the time is that kids are really, really good at masking whatever may be going on in their lives. So walking into that meeting for the first time, you don't know what to expect because this was back in 2015 when there was just starting to be some conversation around this subject, but there wasn't that much conversation in schools. We weren't really talking about the LGBTQ plus community. And then literally 12 months later, we have HB2. There's all of a sudden, these conversations are really part of definitely the conversation in our state. So you're scared. You walk in. You listen. And what you realize so quickly is, first of all, there's this incredible community of support. Secondly, you thought you were the only person that might be dealing with somebody struggling with gender identity. In our, in our situation, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, we're not the only family having this conversation in Charlotte or even in North Carolina, which is really what we thought. It was so under the radar. You didn't know who to go and have conversations with. You couldn't, yeah, wherever you turned, there it, there was a big void in the community. Did you
1: know that PFLAG existed? How did, did, how did you find out about it? There
2: was a therapist we were connected with on the West Coast, who said, you need to find your local PFLAG chapter. So we Google, we find our local PFLAG chapter. And back then, our PFLAG meetings were in the Time Out Youth space, which is the local organization that serves LGBTQ plus youth in Charlotte. And you're anxious when you go to your first meeting. We had never been to any sort of support group at all. We didn't know what to expect, and. The first thing you realize when you walk in, the most important thing to me is that you're not alone and there is this community of people that are there to welcome you. It's adults only.
1: This is literally what they're there for, right? This this is what PFLAG is all about, right? It's
2: what we do. We meet you right where you are. And for us, you meet somebody, you have the conversation. I am an input person. Give me the data. Give me all the information. And there's... Resources, any any information you need to find, you want to find, you can find, depending on how you like to gather your information. So it's having conversations. This is all parents supporting parents, LGBTQ plus community members supporting LGBTQ plus community members. So in our peer support groups today, we like to have them led by an ally and a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And that's very intentional. But for us, one of the things that was the most helpful is just hearing other people's stories. And once you hear other family stories, you're like, okay, what we thought was so unique that, you know, no, nobody has experienced what our child or our family is experiencing. You realize One, yes, you're not alone, but also there is this world of people there ready to walk with you, and that's what we say each and every day, is we will meet you right where you are. Some people walk into the door petrified, scared, saying, I'm not not doing this, but I told my kid I'd come here, so I'm here for an hour, but I can't do this. And then we have other people showing up and saying, you know what, I'm good, my kid's great, don't really feel a need to emote too much, but would really like to learn to lean into being more of an ally and how can I be more of an advocate. And when I say kids, these might be very young children that are identifying as gender diverse, like what is that? What might that mean? What might that look like? It can be teens, young teens, that are just coming into, you know what, pretty sure that I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm bi. This can be older teens that might really, really be struggling with what we call gender dysphoria, which is their gender identity, who am I? But it also can be 30-year-olds, 50-year-olds. So we have grandparents, we have aunts and uncles, we have siblings all coming to to show up, to learn, to support, and to really figure out, okay, how can I what what can I do to support my kid? And also to support myself. because one of the things we say a lot is you're there to support your child, but what you really need to do first, and it's hard to admit, Sort of get yourself comfortable in this conversation first, because your kid, as you said so eloquently, has just shared this something very deeply personal with you. However, your kid, when they shared this with you, has probably been thinking about this conversation in their head for a year, two years, three years, five years. And now all of a sudden they've opened this door they want to share with you. Guess what? You got to pedal real fast to try and catch up.
1: Well, it's got to be complicated too, right? I mean, it's a lot more complicated than maybe you even really want it to be. You know, as, as a parent, I think you probably you want to be supportive. You want to help as a person who wants to be a good person and an open-minded person and, you know, modern thinker. Like we all, I think a lot of us want to, you know, do the right things and say the right things. But then we find ourselves with all these sort of inner conflict maybe that didn't Expect and sort of have to work through. You know, at the same time as you want to be a supportive parent, but you also want your kid's path to be an easy one, or as easy as possible. And and you can't help but think, gosh, oh, this this challenge is gonna it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for you, and it's gonna be hard for me. And how do I feel about that? And how can I speak honestly about that? And I imagine that this is what your groups are there for, right? Is to just be a place where people can have those conversations and articulate those concerns safely and honestly.
2: I mean, everything you just that's it. you want to come to a peer support group meeting? <laughs> because uh, <well. laughs> that's exactly what we do. And all are invited. You don't have to be a parent. You can be somebody who just wants to come and and learn more and be more. But yes, as parents, what you learn, your kid knows who they are. You're, they, they know who they are. And this is not a choice there's a there is a reason that you know if you look at my generation baby boomers I'm a late baby boomer but still a boomer about 2% of that generation openly identified as lgbtq plus if you look at my kids generation gen z it's about 16% identify as lgbtq plus and we know that 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 is because there's more awareness, there's more visibility, there's more education. So just kids learning more about who they are at an earlier age, it's different. Will that percentage continue to increase? I I don't think so. I think we're probably around where we're going to land. But so many of us have LGBTQ plus loved ones or know of people that are having these conversations. So Yes, we normalize, we validate each person's experience, and then we walk with them in a way that is meaningful to them. What do you want to get out of this?
1: It must have been profound for you because you got involved to such an extent that you're you're now the former executive director, right? So what was that like and and how did how how did you choose to get involved in that kind of a way? Thanks
2: for the question, Steve. I think life is funny and I think doors open and close and windows open and close and when our when our child came out you learn i had let me back up 20 years prior i had been with deloitte and was with them for about 13 years most of my experience there was in national human resources and back in that time in the in the early 90s we were actually having the conversation around women in the workplace So all of a sudden, and then I had, I was lucky enough to be able to stay home when the, when my kids were growing up and all of a sudden you look back and you're like, okay, this is why I did all that work back in the nineties. This is why it was something that was really important to me. It was DEI work in a different way with a different lens. And then all of a sudden, 2015, what is happening not just in Charlotte, not just North Carolina, but around the country and around the world, we're seeing more and more kids come out not just as lesbian, gay, bisexual, but also as gender diverse, you know, and, and or, tra- or transgender. And you see this, what this uh, P flag at that time, it had been established in 1989. It was a small group of volunteers, people supporting people. That's what we did. We met once a month. Probably 25 people total. All of a sudden, you're like, there is a need screaming in our community. And we're seeing more and more families who specifically have kids who are gender diverse. We're trying to figure out what that means. And the first place you would normally go when you're having these questions and conversations is to see your school counselor or your pediatrician. And nobody's really educated. So, we worked with Mecklenburg County Medical Society, Atrium Health, and Nivant Health to design very simple workshops for healthcare providers. This is how you can be an LGBTQ plus affirming healthcare provider, but also giving them very, very basic it sounds so funny, right? That parents are sitting here teaching the nurses and the doctors. But the reality was med school didn't focus on this topic. Back then they were spending five hours over four years of med school on LGBTQ plus health. So we started offering these educational programs to physicians. And I think since then we've had over 2,000 physicians who've participated in one of our workshops. Then we said, you know what, there are so many other places and spaces that need this educational programming. And so that's when we really leaned into bringing educational programs to the workplace, to schools, to other area nonprofits, and to faith communities. Then in 2018, we said, okay, this work is so important. The national conversation is ebbing and flowing we need to make it so our organization is sustainable. And that's when we we started growing our board, growing relationships with all these other organizations, doing good work. Share Charlotte was really, really helpful to us as well, as they are with so many area nonprofits too. But focusing on your operations plan, your development, all the little details that you need to do to get an organization really off the ground, but then also... Helping us articulate, you know, what is our vision for the next five years, for the next, for the next eight
1: years. So where are we? What's happening in the national conversation today is kind of a—it's bewildering in a way. It's like a tale of two—it's like two steps forward, one step back. You mentioned House Bill Two, and the there, there's a lot of concern about like what people wear and where they go to the bathroom and, and stuff like that. That in a way it seems like a. A huge step backwards, even from the way that things were like in the '80s and '90s, and I I wonder what you think of that. As somebody who works in this world all the time, like how how do you feel about it? In the sense of we're we're making progress on the one hand, but kind of going the in the opposite direction on the other.
2: Profound sadness, anger, frustration. I think what I I would have hoped when HB2 happened in our state, and we saw. To use the word backlash, the backlash that the state received, because why would you, you know, right? Why would you move forward with something like this? That
1: even even if you're conservative, it's bad business, right? It just it wasn't it it wasn't it didn't do anybody any good, right?
2: So I feel like the the reality for me, the reason is why should we have these conversations? Is because we know. Let's look at the workplace. Forty percent. Of LGBTQ plus people, to your point, are still closeted at work. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know in that. this in this day and age. And that data is probably within the last few years. So people are still scared, right? There's still that fear. To your point, there is also these. Ki- I think there is so much fear because you and I know it's, it's. I liken it to how I felt when my child came out. I have been blessed with so much privilege, right? I'm straight. I, I right? I am cisgender. I am white. And all of a sudden you realize that okay, here's you know all the struggles and the fear that that your child, your family might be exposed to because of this. I choose to remain hopeful. I can get very angry, but that's not productive. So let me have the conversation, one conversation at a time and ally in a way that works for me, talking to people one-on-one. When we have, uh, when we lead educational workshops in a company, we know that there are people from all walks of, you know, from all experiences, all perspectives, that's all good. We're just talking about people and, it's so ups- what, is, what we're seeing happen in our state, it's happened in Florida, it's happened in Texas, families are leaving. I got a letter in the mail yesterday from a P-flagger who left Charlotte a while ago but had family in Florida. That family has said, we can no longer live here. We have moved to the Pacific Northwest. All right. We have families calling us a year ago from Texas saying, can we move to Florida? to North Carolina. Is it safe? And back then we could say, yes, it is. But now, you know, we're right there in line with all the anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. Why? I'm not. All I can say is the pain that it's causing LGBTQ plus individuals and their families for, for, for no reason.
1: So here you are at an interesting moment in your own personal journey because I introduced you as the former executive director (laughs) of PFLAG. Here is this incredibly important work that you've been doing and it's very personal to you and it's political and it it calls upon us in in every way. I think it's healthy for a vibrant organization to Open itself up to new leadership and new voices, and intentionally so. So, but it's and it's also good for you. You're probably tired. <laughs> you've, you've probably done a lot. And as important as this work is, and as proud as you rightly are of all that you've accomplished, I imagine that you've got other things in mind. I itself. do.
2: <laughs> yes, I'm tired at what we do and what all area nonprofits do. So important to the community, and you have to refuel. So for me, I keep calling this my intentional pause, that needs to be at least twelve months.
1: Yeah, don't don't join no, anything. I'm Pe- not. People will be coming out of the wood. I promise you, people are going to come out of the woodwork and say, like, "Hey, you want to be on our board?" You know, "Oh, you Hey, you know, we could probably use somebody. Like, yeah, there's. You'll have no shortage of opportunities like that. Just put up a wall.
2: I th- I think there are so many needs in Charlotte, but right now, honestly. Self-care, family care, hanging out with my 91-year-old mom, all, all of those are, are my priorities right now. And it's really just listening, thinking, and observing and figuring out what that next chapter might look like and listening really openly.
1: Well, good for you. I'm, I'm, for one, happy for you. <laughs> it's the, the future is wide open and all these experiences that you've had will come to bear and whatever comes next in ways that may not be possible to foresee. So the Charlotte Ledger is all about Charlotte and the 40 over 40 awards are all about people who are over 40 and we, we celebrate our accomplishments and we celebrate our community. You are a person who did not grow up in Charlotte. You came to Charlotte as an adult, but you've been here quite some time, you know, since since the 90s, right? And so I wonder what your observations are of this place. And uh, you, you you're still here. You choose to be here. We've been through it's a it's a weird political moment. I don't know what the future looks like in regard to all of that, but but everybody can't leave, you know. Somebody's got to hang around and make the place cool, right? So I wonder uh, what your, what you know, as as you look back on your own life and your career and this moment in your life as a person who's getting older a little bit every day, I wonder what your reflections are about Charlotte and about your place in it.
2: Love Charlotte. Really glad we chose to come here almost 30 years ago now, which is hard to believe. And it's funny when I think about what this last chapter has been as it relates to people like Charlotte. Think about two things when my husband and I made the decision to move here. We had met in D.C. We spent four years in Connecticut. And then we said, yeah, this isn't where we want to raise a family. And I had spent some summers in North Carolina as a, as a kid. And my husband had played some golf here. And we're like, hey, there's an opportunity in Charlotte. Let's go check it out. I'm not sure what the timing is, but within the first year or two, Angels in America is is coming, and it was playing at Booth Playhouse, and all of the protests, and that was, it's funny when I look back on that, not funny, sad when I look back on that, in many ways, to your point earlier, I just remember all the protesters outside of Blumenthal Performing Arts Center totally did not understand why that might be happening, and we can see Right, some things with book bands and other things, other conversations like that. So a lot has changed, but to your point, maybe not as much as we would have liked it to change. But also just seeing, I think we're an incredibly philanthropic community. Foundation for the Carolinas. We're so lucky, I think, to have them. We've got amazing nonprofits doing amazing work, and you know we are we're growing, and I think we're to the extent we can be, being as thoughtful as we can about our growth. And it's neat to see South End and Plaza Midwood and Noda and just how all of these, you know, different communities have evolved. Huntersville, right? Things are growing and evolving. I do think we're becoming more diverse. And I think that is so important. And when I, you know, when I think about one of the, my life learnings, if you will. I was lucky enough with PFLAG to, when we were growing our board, to have diverse representation in every sense of the word. And that, that representation is why we're as strong of an organization as we are today. And I'm very hopeful because of that. I see more and more of those conversations happening in our city. So I'm hopeful. So I've seen mostly good change and lots of opportunity.
1: Where can our listeners learn more about PFLAG? Uh,
2: www.pflag P-F-L-A-G, charlotte.org. You can go there to find out about upcoming peer support opportunities educational programs, and how you can lean into advocacy.
1: Karen Gracie, thanks so much for all the work you've done. And thanks for being with me today. Thanks, Steve. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger podcast
0: is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. And you can find out more about our 40 over 40 awards at ledger40over40.com
2: queencitypodcastnetwork.com.